Okay. Revelation. Chapter 8. Uh, Actually, I just want to read verse 1 first. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. That's the end of the vision of the seven seals. And just notice here that it ends on a very quiet note. Peace, quietness, etc. And if uh, what we're speculating on is really true, that that the book of Revelation is a series of seven different visions that covers basically the same time period, that that time would come at the end of times when Jesus has come back. Uh, Verse 2 in chapter 8 starts the vision of the seven trumpets. So let's read. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. And much incense was given to him that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke uh, of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded and there came Hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown down to the earth. And the third of the earth was burned up, uh, and a third of the trees were burned up, and a third, uh, and all the green grass was uh, burned up. And the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and A third of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were smitten so that a third of them might be darkened and the day might not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way. And I looked and I heard an eagle flying in the mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who were about to sound. And that's probably where we'll be stopping today. Uh, What you're going to find is this, as we, we move through this vision of the seven trumpets. If you think back to the seven seals, the focus there was on the heavenly majesty and the throne of God and, uh, and Jesus, the Lamb, coming and, and, and sitting on the throne with the Father and 
and all the worship that went on there as all believers in every age had gathered before the throne and, uh, and bowed down to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Uh, the focus in, the, in those seven seals was on things going on in heaven. It wasn't all that way. If you look at chapter 6, uh, at the very end of it, verse 15, I just want to read this real quick because I really think there's overlapping here that goes on with what we're about to get into. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains uh, and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. Who was able to stand? The seals were all about comforting the people of God. Bringing peace. Bringing comfort to them. The seventh, or the seven trumpets on the other hand, are about bringing great distress and destruction on the earth. And the people that are in the earth. Just remember that we've, we studied last week that those who truly are of God are said to be sealed of God. They, they've had the, the seal of God placed upon them. So what the seven seals really have to do with more than anything else, not entirely, but more than anything else, has to do with what the fate is of those who have God's seal. And obviously that is great blessing, great reward what the seven trumpets have to do with more than anything else. You're going to see flashes of other things here, but more than anything else, they have to do with the fate of those people who are the unsealed. Those people who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we saw a picture of them already uh, there in the end of chapter 6, and that is that they were they were running and trying to hide, and they were calling for the mountains and rocks to fall upon them. You've heard me say this already a number of times, and that is what you'll find when this kind of thing happens is even though you would think these people would come to repentance, they don't. That their heart and the hardness of their heart against God just continues to be what it is. And there is never any repentance on their part. Uh, Well, think about trumpets. Trumpets in the Bible represent a number of different things. Uh, they used trumpets when they were with Moses. Israel was with Moses moving through the wilderness, and they used the trumpets for particular things to call the people to rally together. Uh, also, uh, a call to arms if they were under attack. Uh, some other things like that. We also know this, that trumpets played a very major role in the destruction of Jericho. So sometimes in the Bible they are used as a destructive force, as you would have in Jericho and as you're going to have in the seventh, seven trumpets here in Revelations. Uh,
these trumpets signal God's judgment. As we said already, it's not something that people like to talk about. It's not something that people talk about that much anymore. But we understand that Jesus is coming back and that that day is going to be a glorious day for those who have the seal of God upon them. But for those who don't, they're going to sit in God's judgment. And they're not going to do very well. How much does that motivate you to get out and tell people about Jesus? I mean, it really ought to. Not to make anybody feel guilty. But if we don't evangelize, if we don't go out and share our faith in Jesus Christ with other people who are now unbelieving people, we know what their fate is going to be. So why doesn't it motivate us to get out and share? It really should. These are trumpets of judgment. Uh, Just look at verse 4. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints went up before God. Uh, Incense was used in the temple and the tabernacle the priests burned incense on the incense altar every day Uh, when they trimmed the wicks in uh, in the morning and in the evening they would go in and the the incense that they used was special incense and uh, there's a prescribed formula for it in scripture to tell them exactly how they were supposed to make it Uh, and not only that uh, it was reserved exclusively for use in the tabernacle. They were, they, were, they were commanded specifically not to make this incense for their own use. But we know from Scripture that the incense represents, it's representative of the prayers of God going, or the prayers of the people going up to God, right? What does incense do? Some of you guys were around back in the 60s and incense <laughs> really took off back in those days and, uh, and all that. But we understand this, that what incense is, a, is designed to do is to bring about a fragrant, pleasant smell, an odor. And we need to understand that uh, what's being pictured here is the incense of the prayers of God's people going up to him. And and the aroma for him is very pleasing. And the smoke and the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer. You know what a censer is? These are, they were basically little bowl things that usually were on chains and that's what they carried the the incense in. Uh, so the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. That's hard to even imagine. 
But what we're going to find is that that is a destructive force on the earth. Now, we know that fire occurs in Scripture very often, uh, and we know for a number of different reasons, but ultimately you understand that, well, what does fire do? Well, it burns things. It's also used as a means of purification. We also know this, that it's God's ultimate weapon of judgment. I mean, how is hell described? Place of burning, a place of fire. As we get further into the book, what we're going to find is that Satan and his dominions and and all of the unsealed are cast into what's called the lake of fire. It's a destructive force on the earth. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. An unbelievable task. Have you ever wondered what went through the minds of the two guys that ultimately pushed the bombs to release the atomic bombs in World War II? Can you imagine being chosen to do that that task that was difficult to do, that no one would, would relish to do, and uh, but someone had to do, and so they did that? I mean, these are special angels, seven angels that God has, in a sense, put in that position. It's almost like they're pushing buttons to atomic bombs to fall down upon the earth. The first one sounded, and there came hail and fire and mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass, green grass, was burned up. There's a great overlapping between the, the plagues that we find uh, in Egypt, the time of Moses, and with these seven trumpets. Hail and fire should remind you there was one, one of those plagues was hail that fell from the, the earth or from the sky, and it was mixed with fire. Think about the Nile being turned to blood. Now we have blood thrown down on the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. One of the things I want you to get from this is, as we've looked back, there have been fractions that have been used. The fraction that's been used up to this point is a quarter Now the fraction is a third. So one of the things we should glean from this is the destructive power that's going on here is intensifying. It's not lessening. It's getting stronger. I 
I was curious the other day. About earthquakes. Mentioned in verse 5. You may not, well, we know this. We know that earthquakes are some of the most destructive forces on the planet. And if you've ever been through one, some of us have, on, through minor ones, it's, uh, it's something like nothing else because we expect the ground to be nice and solid and firm, not shaking all over the place. The most destructive earthquake that ever took place was in Nepal in 1556. Recorded history. It affected 520 square miles. And it killed 830,000 people. You've already seen earthquake mentioned before this, and it was a mega, it's, it's described as being a mega earthquake, a great earthquake. We see it here again. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea was, uh, became blood. Now, that's hard to picture a mountain. A mountain lit on fire and being cast from one place to the other. You know, mountains for us tend to be some of the most firm ground there is. But Jesus says this about our faith, that if indeed that we have the faith of a mustard seed, that we can say to a mountain to get up and move and it will move. Mountains moved. Trees burned up. Has anyone ever been in a forest fire or seen one? Lori and I used to live over near Crystal River. We lived in a pine grove, and pretty much every summer we would have to go out in the woods and put out two or three fires because pine trees got hit by lightning. But fire is such a destructive force. Look at what's been going on in California over these last months and in other places as well. And we need to remember this, that God is the author of all this. It is according to his will and purpose these things are taking place. Third of the sea became blood, so there you have blood again. Third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. Can you imagine that? All those creatures in the sea dying and, and the stench and all that that would result as a, as a product of that. Verse 10. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Might sound something like a meteorite burning its way through the atmosphere and colliding with the earth. 
Can you imagine a third of the rivers being just basically dried up instantaneously? Springs of water. Star has a name. Wormwood. Has anyone ever read the screw tape, screw tape letters written by C.S. Lewis? It has to do with uh, these two demons that are trying to mess Christians up. Uh, and the younger one's name is Wormwood. I always wondered where C.S. Lewis got that name from. Uh, but here you go. Uh, in the Bible, it's acquainted with bitterness. should remind us of when Israel was in the wilderness at Meribah, and, uh, and the water was bitter, and Moses threw a stick in, and the bitterness went away. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were smitten. We've already seen something similar to this in chapter 6. We talked about it a lot at that point. What it would be like for the sun to, uh, in, in, the, in, in chapter 6 it says the sun was blackened, ceased to shine. Here's a third of it and of the moon and of the stars. There are not too many things in this world that we can count on 100%, absolutely, positively. But I will imagine that every one of us was just as certain as we could be that the sun was going to come up this morning. And we know that it's going to go down later on this day and then it'll come back up tomorrow. Have you ever known of a day in your lifetime that that didn't happen? Has there ever been a day in all of history? Well, in the days of Joshua, God caused the sun to stand still. One of the things I w- want to note here is this, and that is that uh, this calamity is not just contained to the earth. It has to do with all of the created cosmos around us as well. It really is amazing that you and I believe in God. For some reasons. Because it really is remarkable to fathom. That there is a being so powerful. That he can speak the words. And bring the universe into existence out of nothing. It is a display of the awesomeness and the power of God that doesn't, there's really nothing that we know of that comes close to matching it. Can you imagine? Do you, and, and 
we're finding out more and more about the universe around us scientifically and you know it just keeps getting bigger we 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 keep building bigger and bigger telescopes and we can see further and further in the universe and we haven't found the end of it when i was in 8th grade my science teacher mr george we were talking about the universe one day and he said this to us he said well how big do you think it is and so we were a bunch of eighth graders speculating on that. Uh, and then after a while, of course, we didn't figure it out. I had no idea. He said, well, answer this question for me. If there's an end to the universe, what's on the other side of the end? Doesn't that just blow your mind? This is our God. This, I mean, this is the God that we worship. That he has that kind of power and that kind of might. It should absolutely blow our minds. Especially when we put things in perspective. And we're reminded that that same God loves you and I so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world to live and die that we would have life in him. Do you feel special? You really should. If you're a child of God, then, then there is no more special place for you to possibly be in all of existence. None of us likes to talk about God's judgment. I don't. Maybe you're twisted and bent or something like that, and you do. Or I can't imagine that there are too many people that like to talk about it. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about it. The apostles talked a lot about it. So you and I need to talk about it too. The day is coming. The day is coming when Jesus will come back. And one thing's for certain is that when he enters into the atmosphere that no one's going to doubt for one minute that God has descended on this place. And his judgment is going to be swift. It is going to be sure. People don't like to talk that, about that because they think that that makes God evil. What do you think? Doesn't make God evil at all. Just it's a demonstration of how much he abhors evilness. He hates it. And just remember this that he saved us from these judgments because he loves us.
And I don't know about you, as far as I got, I don't think he got that great of a deal. For me. I just want to remind us all again this morning that God's judgment is sure, but at the same time, God's love is very sure too. And we are the recipients of his love. Not the judgment we have really was due us. This is what grace is all about. Freely giving to those who don't deserve it at all. He's done that for us. I looked, this is verse 30, I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels that were about to sound. So three more trumpet blasts. Things are going to get worse. And that's where we're going to go next week.